my friend, I have a favor to ask. I'm running as a hero in the 2023 St. Jude Memphis Marathon weekend. St. Jude heroes are runners who fundraise while they train for their race. And I am proud to be a part of this nationwide alliance against childhood cancer. I want to help make sure that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food, so they can focus solely on helping their child live. Your donation, no matter the size, will help. Will you help me reach my fundraising goal? Please visit my fundraising page to show your support at fundraising.stjude.org slash go to slash Donita J. That's D-O-N-I-T-A-J. There's a link in the show notes. I can't thank you enough for helping the kids of St. Jude. Catch any group of people with a common interest and you're sure to hear all kinds of terms, abbreviations, and special lingo used. It can, at times, be quite confusing. Well, the world of multi-sport is no different. And let me tell you, when I first started participating in triathlons, I was frequently lost in conversation. I mean, what the heck are these people even talking about? Well, today we're diving headfirst into the exciting world of triathlon terminology. But hold on tight, because we're not just talking about the swim, bike, and run. Oh no, my friends, we're unlocking the secret language of triathletes with 50 must-know terms and abbreviations that will have you speaking fluent triathlon in no time. So listen in to episode 29 of the official triathlete podcast. Hey, my friend, my name is Danita Jacobs. Some people know me as a nurse, a leader and health expert. Other people know me as a coach, race official and seasoned triathlete. But at the end of the day, I'm simply a friend with a mission. I want to help you transform your life. My goal isn't to help millions. My goal is to help you. Welcome to the official triathlete podcast, where you will learn about all things multi-sport broken down into bite-sized pieces and how we can blend life demands with fitness goals. My approach is different because I am blending my 20 plus years of healthcare and athletic experience to help you be the healthiest, happiest, and most balanced athlete you can be. I believe in you, even if you don't. You really can reach those soaring goals and I'm here to help you get there. I'm so glad you made it here. If you have a question or topic idea, get in touch and let me know. After all, this show is for you. Enjoy. Hello, my friends and fellow athletes. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so grateful that you're here. Before we dive into these 50 must-know terms, I always start with a little message from my Train With Heart program. It's my mission to transform the whole athlete. So heart not only develops and prepares the body for improved athletic performance, but aims to optimize the whole person through healing, empowerment, awareness, reflection, and transformation. So each episode, I share a little snippet from how I help my athletes with one of these elements. Today, we are going to discuss reflection. Let's explore the topic of reflection and its role in triathlon training. Triathlon training is an incredible journey that pushes us to our limits physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's a sport that demands discipline, perseverance, and a constant drive for improvement. However, amidst all the physical exertion and endless hours of training, it's crucial to pause and reflect on our journey. Reflection in triathlon training serves multiple purposes. It allows us to assess our progress, learn from our experiences, and make necessary adjustments to our training plans. It helps us understand our strengths and weaknesses, enabling us to identify areas that require further attention and improvement. One of the most effective ways to reflect on our training is by keeping a training journal. By recording our workouts, thoughts, and emotions, we create a valuable resource for self-analysis. 
We can review our entries and track patterns, identify what works for us, and make informed decisions about our training moving forward. Additionally, reflection provides an opportunity to celebrate our accomplishments, big and small. As triathletes, we often focus on the end goal, such as completing a race or achieving a personal record. While these goals are important, it's equally essential to acknowledge and appreciate the milestones we achieve along the way. Reflecting on these achievements boosts our motivation and reinforces the positive aspects of our training. Reflection can also help us navigate the inevitable challenges and setbacks that arise during our triathlon journey. Whether it's an injury, a disappointing race, or a plateau in performance, these obstacles can be discouraging. However, through reflection, we can gain perspective, identify potential causes, and develop strategies to overcome them. It's in these moments of self-reflection that we find the resilience to persevere and stay committed to our goals. In addition to personal reflection, seeking feedback from others is invaluable in triathlon training. Engaging with coaches, fellow athletes, and training partners provides fresh perspectives and insights. They may notice things that we overlook and offer constructive feedback that can lead to breakthroughs in our training. Collaborating with others fosters a sense of community and shared knowledge, reminding us that we're not alone in our triathlon journey. Now let's take a moment to reflect on our own training. Think about the goals you set for yourself at the beginning of the season. How far have you come? What challenges have you faced? Are you on track to achieve your goals? Consider your training routine, nutrition, recovery, and mindset. Are there any areas that require adjustment? Celebrate your victories and acknowledge the lessons learned from setbacks. Remember that reflection is an ongoing process, not just a one-time exercise. Regularly setting aside time for self-reflection ensures that we stay connected to our training and remain open to growth and improvement. So as you continue your triathlon journey, don't forget to take a step back, reflect on your progress, and embrace the valuable lessons along the way. I hope you found this exploration insightful and that it encourages you to incorporate reflection into your own training routine. Remember, success in triathlon is not solely defined by finish lines crossed, but by the personal growth achieved throughout the process. Have you ever found yourself at the starting line of a triathlon, surrounded by athletes spouting out strange combinations of letters and numbers? Don't worry, I've got your back. From T1 and T2, the mysterious transitions that can make or break your race, to drafting, the art of riding in someone's slipstream, I'm covering 50 terms and abbreviations you will most certainly hear from your friendly triathletes. Get ready to impress your fellow triathletes with your newfound understanding of terms like cadence, open water swimming, and age groups. These 50 terms and abbreviations are the keys to unlocking a world of excitement, camaraderie, and personal triumphs. First up is drafting. This is a widely used term in triathlon and cycling. It refers to riding closely behind another cyclist to take advantage of reduced wind resistance. In most multi-sport events, drafting on the bike is illegal. Only events that are designated specifically as draft legal allows this, but most events that age groupers participate in are not draft legal. There is a draft zone that you need to stay out of while you are on the bike portion of a triathlon. Refer to episode 21 for more about the draft zone. Now, what is legal is drafting on the swim and the run. Yes, you can gain advantage by trailing behind another swimmer or runner. By remaining within a short distance of another participant, you can take advantage of the reduced wind or water resistance and therefore reduce your own workload. Now, since I already brought up the term age grouper, let's talk about what that means. 
An age group refers to a division of triathletes based on their age for competition and ranking purposes. The majority of races are split into five-year age groups, for example, 30 to 34, 35 to 39, 40 to 44, and so on. This is one of the great things about triathlon. Even if you aren't competing for or don't win an overall spot on the podium, you can compare yourself to people of similar age. You will hear athletes refer to placing in their age group, and it is still a cool podium spot to earn. The term age grouper refers to your status. Unless you are racing in the elite category, you will be an age grouper, and most of your local triathlons will be a standard age group race where the entire field is racing as an age grouper. Next up is T1 and T2. These abbreviations are referring to the two different transitions. Since you are swimming, cycling, and running, you will transition to a different sport twice during a race. T1 is the first transition from swimming to cycling, and T2 is the second transition from cycling to running. So what is a brick workout? Triathletes will commonly refer to their brick sessions, which is a training session that combines two disciplines back-to-back, usually cycling followed by running. Now, have you heard about aero bars? These are handlebar extensions on a bike that allow the rider to assume a more aerodynamic position by leaning over the front end of the bike and resting their arms on elbow pads. On a tri bike, aero bars are already incorporated into the style of the bike. But what if you don't have a tri bike? Can you still get into an aerodynamic position? Well, that is where the next term comes in. You can add clip on bars to your road bike. Attaching clip-on aero bars to your road bike can be a more affordable way to achieve an aero position on the bike. This is what my husband does since he prefers to ride a road bike, but when we are on long stretches of road, he can settle into aero position with his clip-on bars. Now, since we are talking about clipping things on, how about clipless pedals? Have you heard the term? It can be a confusing term to hear. Perhaps a better term is clip-in pedals, but you will hear athletes refer to clipless pedals. These are pedals that require special cycling shoes with cleats to attach the shoe to the pedal for better power transfer. The reason some people use the term clipless pedals is because they are referring to cycling pedals without straps and the classic toe clips, like the cages you might see people slip their toes in uh, on their pedal. However, they are referring to pedals that you clip your bike shoe in and out of. Refer to episode 12 for more information about this type of pedal system. So how do your bike shoes clip into pedals anyway? That would be with cleats, another term you need to know. Cleats are attached to the bottom of your bike shoes, allowing them to lock into the clipless pedals. Next in the triathlon world is cadence, which is the number of pedal revolutions on the bike and the strides per minute on the run. Now an abbreviation you will commonly see is OWS. You'll see this written all over the place. This is referring to open water swimming or swimming in natural bodies of water, such as lakes, rivers, or oceans, as opposed to a pool. At many triathlons, you may see swimmers wearing a swim skin. I am not talking about a wetsuit. I mean a form-fitting, hydrophobic garment worn over a triathlon suit to reduce drag during the swim. They are thinner and less buoyant than the wetsuit and can be worn when the water is too warm for a wetsuit. They are tight-fitting and look kind of like a tri-suit, but are notably quicker through the water than if you were to just wear a tri-suit. Okay, I have referred to this term several times in other episodes because I most definitely experienced the dreaded bonk. This is a state of extreme fatigue or depletion of energy stores during racing or training. It is usually rather sudden fatigue and is due to a loss of energy because of depleted glycogen stores. 
you may also hear athletes say they hit the wall. Now, I often get asked, what's the best way to wear your bib number for the run? You don't need to wear your bib for the entire race, only on the run. But how do you quickly put on your race number in T2 without stopping to pin it on your shirt? The best way is to use a race belt, a stretchable belt worn around the waist during the race that holds the athlete's race number. But if you don't have to wear your bib with your race number during the swim or cycling portions of the race, then how do you display your race number? This would be done by body marking. The practice of writing an athlete's race number or age on their body with a waterproof marker. Generally, you will write your race number with a permanent marker on your upper arms and calves. Next up are two abbreviations that you will likely hear at a race. First is DNS. This means did not start. And this is when a registered athlete fails to start the race. The next one is DNF, did not finish. And this is when a participant is unable to complete the race for any reason. The next set of terms are about the different ways that triathlon races start. Triathlons always start with a swim portion, but these terms are referring to how the participants begin the swim. These terms are mass start, wave start, and time trial start. A mass start, which is becoming less and less popular, means exactly how it sounds. The mass of athletes all start at the same time. A wave start is similar to a mass start where a group of athletes start at the same time, but the number of athletes is reduced because they start in waves. A lot of times, waves are created by combining a certain group of age groups, so maybe a wave would include three age group categories that all start at the same time. By far, though, the most popular way to start a race is by time trial meaning that participants start one at a time at specific intervals, such as every three seconds. Okay, the next term that you may occasionally hear is paratriathlon. This is a triathlon event for athletes with physical disabilities. Next, we've already talked about T1 and T2, and we know that this is referring to transition, but what is the transition area? Well, this is a designated zone where athletes transition between the swim, bike, and run disciplines. A lot of times, this area will be fenced in with some sort of temporary barrier so that the area is contained and there is only one or two entrances or exits. This keeps the area safer. Okay, so let's talk about the mount and dismount line. The mount line is a designated area where athletes can mount their bikes and start the cycling leg. The dismount line is the line by which you must be off your bike before crossing and entering into transition. Both lines are right outside of the transition area and are there to keep athletes safe. There's just way too much activity going on inside the transition area for athletes to be riding their bikes. All right, I haven't lost you, have I? I know this is a lot of information packed into one episode, but my hope is that you will either gain some foresight so you know what triathletes are talking about when you hear these terms, or that I'm clearing up any confusion. I remember being lost and confused, so let's keep going. Next up is the chamois. This is the padded insert in cycling shorts that provides cushioning and reduces friction. There's also a much thinner chamois in triathlon shorts. The chamois is certainly a blessing when spending a lengthy amount of time on the bicycle to relieve some of the pressure on the more intimate parts. Now you will probably come across the abbreviation HRM. This stands for heart rate monitor, which is worn by athletes to track and manage their heart rate during training and racing. Now everyone loves the next word, taper. This is the period of reduced training volume and intensity leading up to a race that allow for recovery and peak performance. And my favorite part of the race is the chute. This is the narrow passage leading to the timing mat at the finish line, 
used to funnel athletes in a controlled manner straight to the finish line. Racking is the next word, and it refers to the process of placing and organizing the bike and equipment in the transition area before the race. Many races will have a race briefing, and these are always useful to attend. A race briefing is a pre-race meeting where participants receive important information about the course, rules, and logistics. Okay, have you been to a triathlon and seen those funny-looking bike helmets that are solid and have a point in the back? This is an aero helmet. It is a helmet that has been streamlined and aero-optimized. It can be a time-trial-specific helmet, which has a longer shape, kind of like a teardrop, which is designed to fill the gap between your head, neck, and upper back when cycling in an aggressive position. Next up is a fun one, battle braids. This is an iconic hairstyle used by Lucy Charles Barclay when it comes to race day. It's characterized by tight pigtail-like braids that keep hair pulled out of the way during each leg of the race. And here's a funny word for you, fartlek. I know that's childish, but come on, it's a funny word. But it is a real word used in training. Interval training and fartlek training means intense sessions, which involve varying paces and efforts, alternating between harder sections and easier recovery sections. You will almost definitely see someone with a disc wheel during a race, and these are quite noticeable. A disc wheel is a rear disc wheel that has no visible spokes and is designated for aerodynamic gain. So it's a solid wheel, kind of like a disc that reduces drag. Another kind of neat thing you will see on race day is the flying mount. It sounds simple, but getting onto your bike quickly in a triathlon is quite a skill and requires a lot of practice. A flying mount involves running with your bike and attempting to seamlessly jump over your saddle and onto your bike. Now, this is not a triathlon-specific acronym, but you will hear it in triathlon. GOAT, G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. All sports have raging debates about theirs, and triathlon is no different. The next one is negative split. This is to finish the second half of a race faster than the first half. Many triathletes love to look at numbers and metrics. One of the favorite metrics to track is power output measured by a power meter. A power meter is fitted to a bike to record and monitor the ride's power output. There are different types of power meters that record your power output from different places on the bike, such as the pedal, the crank, or the rear wheel hub. This device measures and displays the cyclist's power output in watts. Understanding your watts and power on the bike can be a useful metric when you are training and racing. Next up is sighting. This is looking where you are going when you are swimming in open water. For example, gauging where you are in relation to the race route by looking at landmarks on the coastline or trees on the edge of the lake. Now, a term you may or may not have heard of, but is becoming more popular, is super shoes. These are shoes with a rigid and curved carbon fiber blade that runs the length of the midsole. It almost acts like a catapult by propelling the heel up and foot forward with every toe push off the ground. These shoes have revolutionized running by giving an athlete an extra boost without expending extra energy. A couple of examples are Nike's Vaporfly and the Asics Metaspeed. Okay, when I go for my bike rides, I prefer to wear bibs. It took me a while to understand what fellow athletes were referring to when they mentioned their bibs, even though it's actually super simple. Bibs are a style of padded cycling shorts that are attached to a bib-like portion that goes up and over the shoulders, kind of like suspenders. Now, here are a few more cycling terms. On your bicycle, if you hear someone refer to the bottom bracket, this is the central axis on which the bicycle cranks rotate. 
A bento box is a small bag that attaches to the top tube of a bike to store food and tools. And the top tube is the tube that extends from the handlebars between your legs and horizontally back to the back wheel. This is a common place to put your bike sticker if you're given one for a race. Have you ever been invited to go on a century ride or a metric century ride? These are long bike rides that coincide with their name. A century ride is 100 miles and a metric century is 100 kilometers or about 62 miles. Here's an acronym that has to be given to someone, DFL or dead effing last. And by the way, it's okay to be DFL because you are amazing for finishing. Another cycling term is dropped. This happens when you're riding with a group of cyclists and you eventually get too far behind to stay in the pack. You'll find that the gap increases between you and the group. Pedaling becomes harder and you can't catch up. This is called getting dropped. I highly recommend that as a beginner, you make sure that you are going on a no drop ride if you're going out with a group. That means that the pack or at least part of the pack will stay together and slower riders won't get left behind. Okay, the next term to talk about is pickups. These are short accelerations performed during the run, generally to stretch out legs and prepare them for speed work or a run, usually about 10 to 30 seconds long. So how does an athlete get in their bike training when the weather is bad or keep their bike fitness over the winter? Or how can one perform isolated and specific exercises on the bike without worrying about terrain? This would be with a trainer, sometimes called a turbo, static, or indoor trainer. It's a device that holds a bicycle in place, applying resistance to the rear wheel. Many trainers are even smart trainers that you can connect to specific routes that have been uploaded into special software. With a smart trainer, the resistance changes on its own to mimic things like hills. You use your own bike that you would take out on the road set the rear wheel in place, and then you have a stationary bicycle. The next set of terms are the best to have. It's always a proud moment when you have a PR or PB. This stands for personal record or personal best, meaning you hit some sort of target with your personal best effort and time. And to wrap up, you surely have heard me interchange the term triathlon with multi-sport, but what does multi-sport really include? Multi-sport is a sport consisting of more than one discipline, including triathlon, duathlon, aquathon, aquabike, off-road triathlon, and winter triathlon, to name a few. So all triathlons are multi-sport events, but multi-sport encompasses a much wider range of event types. So there you have it. We've journeyed through 50 triathlon terms that will have you speaking the language of champions in no time. Whether you're a beginner dipping your toes into the triathlon world or a seasoned veteran seeking a refresher, these terms are your passport to triathlon success. So next week, I am answering a question I get asked a lot and see asked on many forums. Why hire a coach? People always want to know, is there truly value in hiring a coach? Is a generic plan good enough to follow? Do you even need a training plan? Well, I've got eight answers for you. So join me next week as I answer the question, What value is there in hiring a coach? Talk to you then. Bye. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. I want to get to know you. So head over to trynursecoaching.com and sign up for a free 30 minute goal setting session. Love the show. I'd be forever grateful if you left a review and shared the podcast with your friends. And remember, do things that are hard.